0: Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box.
1: Tara Grinstead was a 30-year-old former beauty queen and local high school teacher living in the small town of Osilla, Georgia. She was a gorgeous brunette with a striking smile and someone her students and peers looked up to. On Saturday, October 22, 2005, Tara went to a local beauty pageant during the day. After the pageant was over, Tara left around 8 p.m. and hung out at a friend's barbecue just eight blocks away from her home. Around 11 p.m., Tara left the barbecue and went home to her house. On Monday morning, October 24th, Tara didn't show up for work at the school. Concerned students and teachers called the local police. At around 8.45 a.m., Osilla PD was dispatched to Tara's house. Upon arrival, investigators found her car parked in the driveway, unlocked. And the front door to her house was locked shut. Detectives knocked on her door repeatedly, but got no response. Police forced their way inside and searched the house entirely. But there was no sign of Tara Grinstead. To this day, there has never been a confirmed sighting of Tara Grinstead. If you have any information about the disappearance of Tara Grinstead please contact the Georgia Bureau of Investigation.
2: 10 years ago today, marked do the last time anybody had to see da or talking to Tara Grinstead. Officially, police are calling this a missing person GBI case. GBI officials say, investigate a great An $80,000 reward t- is being offered. Where
3: for is Tara Grinstead?
2: Dead? From Tenderfoot TV in Atlanta, this is Up and Vanished, the investigation of Tara Grinstead. I'm your host, Payne Lindsay. Around six months ago, I was surfing the web. I was looking for cold cases and other unsolved mysteries. I'm actually a filmmaker, and I was kind of digging around for a cool idea for a documentary film. I think there's something about an unsolved case that intrigues everyone. This urge to solve the puzzle and reveal the truth, and this universal satisfaction when we catch the bad guy. We all want an answer, an explanation for the unexplained. Like a lot of people, I have been pretty obsessed with the podcast Serial and the Netflix series Making a Murderer. And I thought to myself, what if I made one of those? So I literally just went to Google and started searching. I'm from Atlanta, so I wanted to find a case that was local that I could actually investigate. I eventually ended up on the website for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and they have a top 10 list of unsolved crimes in Georgia. The first one I saw was a missing persons case. A girl named Tara Grinstead had been missing for over 10 years now, and they had no suspects, and they had no leads. Needless to say, I was instantly fascinated. So I read tons of articles about the case, and through my amateur internet investigation, I stumbled upon a new site called Sleuths, where apparently other people like me pretend to be detectives and try to solve famous cases in front of their computer screens. Perfect. So I found a forum on the Tara Grinstead case, and made a post. Hey guys, I'm a filmmaker from Atlanta, and I'm thinking about doing a documentary on Terra's case. Does anyone have any interesting theories? The form on Terra's case hadn't been updated in quite a while, and I honestly didn't expect to get a response. But, to my surprise, less than an hour later I had a voicemail on my phone from a number I didn't recognize. That's when this whole thing really started.
4: Uh, Payne, uh, this is Dr. Maurice Godwin. I saw your post about the Tara Grinstead case on Webb Sluice. Uh I worked this case uh, from uh, March of 06 to over uh, past 09, uh, 2009 uh, for her family. And uh, uh, probably other than the GBI, there's no one who knows no more about the Tara Grinstead case than myself. Uh, so, you know, if you want to give me a call, I can give you a rundown the straight-up truth about uh, what's happening or, um, and everything about the case. I'm in North Carolina, so I'm on East Coast time. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye.
2: Wait, am I actually doing this now? I thought I was just brainstorming, but now I have an actual investigator who worked this case wanting to tell me everything that he knows? It was time that I got my facts straight, time to do some major research on this case to even know what to ask him dates, times, people's names I had to know it all I totally streamlined my plan for the documentary and decided to make a podcast to document my investigation Mind you, I am not a podcaster and I'm definitely not an investigator but I was determined to tell Tara's story and most of all I wanted to know what happened to her I bought some audio equipment and I called the investigator Hey, is this Maurice Godwin? Yes it is Hey, this is Payne Lindsay. You
4: called me yesterday? Oh, uh, yes, uh, Payne. I saw your, um, your post on WebSluice. I've been working for the Tara Grinstead case since March of '06.
2: We talked for two hours. He told me more things than I could even remember. This case went deep. I mean, really deep.
4: The largest case file in Georgia history is the Tara Grinstead case.
2: As much as I wanted to feel like I was making progress on the case, I was really just getting started. He gave me a lot of advice where to start, who to talk to, and he said he would help me out in any way he could. He left me with this piece of advice.
4: If you go to Osilla, and have a plane like that, take somebody else with you now. Okay. Why okay. that?
2: Well,
4: it's, it's, it's a weird place.
2: If you go to Osilla, the town where Tara lived and was last seen, make sure you bring somebody with you. Maybe I was reading into that too much. Either way, I planned on taking his advice. It was time for me to start talking to people. I wanted insight from people who knew her. People who talked to her that weekend before she disappeared. I built up a long list of names, and it was time to start cold calling people.
5: We're sorry. You have reached a number that is no longer in service. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice. The number you dialed is not a working it's number.
1: call.
2: Okay, I had a pretty rough start. I was literally getting every type of non-working number message in existence, and when I finally reached some people, it went like this: "My name is Payne Lindsay. I wanted to talk to you about the Tara Grinstead case." The Tara Grinstead case. A podcast documentary. If you series, don't mind. Questions about sorry to bother Tara you. I Tara. I like to talk to you about Tara Grinstead. Nothing. Not a single person would talk to me. It was beginning to seem impossible. Everyone surrounding this case had their guard up. This small town in South Georgia had become this impenetrable community that just refused to rehash the old wounds, or were just plain too scared to talk. But I was determined that somewhere in this network of people was the answer, the key to what happened to Tara. But ten years is a long time. Ten years of reporters and TV networks just exhausting these people for new clues and tips, or just trying to get a juicy quote out of one of the locals. And here comes me, this millennial podcaster, trying to solve the mystery. I'd probably tell myself to piss off, too. One day, I called a girl who was friends with Tara back in 2005. I don't feel comfortable saying her name right now, so let's just call her Susan. Susan answered the phone, and I introduced myself. Before I could even finish Tara's name, she had hung up on me. Then, about ten minutes later, I got a call from a blocked number, and I answered it. I was still trying to figure out my phone recorder at that point, and unfortunately, I was not able to record the call, which I immediately regretted. There was a stern man's voice on the other line when I answered. He said, Why are you asking about Tara Grinstead? It was almost like he was investigating me now. I told him about the podcast and the documentary and his tone changed a bit. Then he said, Why did you call Susan? I didn't really have an answer for him. Then he said, Do not call her again. Click. Just like that. I wish I had the audio to play back for you, but there was just something really odd about that call. The person sounded like a police officer or someone in law enforcement trying to figure out what I knew. He didn't call me just to say don't call her again. The first thing he wanted to know was why I was calling that particular person.
1: Here she is, ladies and gentlemen. I call her Your Royal Highness because I think it is a very nice honor. Tara Grinstead, how are you
6: doing?
5: I'm doing great.
6: Miss Tifton getting ready to go over to Columbus and represent Tifton over
4: there. Are you excited?
1: Oh, yes, very excited.
4: Well, oh, you are well into your career already, too, are
1: not you? What kind of work do you do? I'm an 11th grade history teacher at Irwin County High School, and I also have a cheerleading squad of university cheerleaders, 9th and 10th graders. Uh, I just completed my first year teaching, and I, I loved every bit of it.
2: That's a local news interview from 1999, when Tara won the beauty pageant for Miss Tifton, the biggest city near Osceola, and she was moving on to compete for Miss Georgia. She seemed to have everything going for her, She was popular among her students. All the teachers loved her. But in October of 2005, she would disappear without a trace and never be seen again. Who would want to hurt Tara? Let's recap the night of October 22nd, when Tara just completely vanished. I'll have my friend Rob describe the scene.
1: Saturday, October 22nd, 2005. Tara went to a beauty pageant during the day, and then she attended a friend's barbecue later that night just a couple blocks away from her home. She arrived around 8 p.m. and stayed for a few hours. Friends at the party said she was acting normal. Nothing out of the ordinary. Around 11 p.m., Tara told a friend at the party she was going home to watch the videotape from the pageant that day. She said her goodbyes and drove off. She was never seen again. Monday came and Tara didn't show up for work. When the bell rang for class to start and Tara wasn't there, Students informed the faculty, and they called the local police department. The chief of Osilla Police, Bill Hancock, was the first to arrive on the scene. Her car was parked in her driveway, and the front door was locked. As he approached her front door, Hancock discovered a blue latex glove just feet from her doorstep. Even more puzzling, he found a business card wedged in the front door. The neighbors, an elderly couple, had a spare key to Tara's house. They were really close to Tara, and they kept watch on her house at night. They had a little system going. Every night when Tara came home, she turned on the lamp by the window in her room facing their house. That night, Tara's lamp was never turned on. Hancock used the neighbor's key to gain entry to Tara's home. The house was in near-perfect condition. But there were a few subtle things that seemed a little off. The lampshade on her bed was knocked askew tilted in an odd position as if maybe it had been knocked over the clock normally on her nightstand was found on the floor by her bed her cell phone was found sitting in its charger on the nightstand hancock quickly realized the severity of this case he made a call to the georgia bureau of investigation for backup and official investigation was underway
6: How you doing, man? Come on, a in. All right. Come on
2: in. I decided to visit the private investigator in person. I told him I wanted to ask him some preliminary questions about the case for my documentary, and he was more than happy to help. He lives in a small town in North Carolina, and I drove up from Atlanta one afternoon. Oh. Are these all. Notes about the terror case? Yeah. He had this he's thick notebook. It was filled with hundreds of notes, thoughts, names, all related to the Terra Grinstead case. He started thumbing through it, reminiscing about the case. Maurice is an older man, gray hair, glasses. You get the sense that this case and many others like it have taken a toll on him, and even he'll tell you it's exhausting. To Maurice, this is not a hobby. It's always ever known. And then in the back
6: here... Or, or some updates and stuff. I was contacted in the end of January of '06 by uh, Tara's sister Anita. I couldn't take it at that time and I actually didn't take the case. But then she contacted me again and I took the case uh, about the end of February and I went down in March and then I worked on the case. I spent two whole days in the house. We searched uh, a lot of places. There was nothing ever come of anything and this case is cold.
2: As Alaska. So Tara's sister Anita hired Maurice to help with the investigation, and he wasn't involved until March of two thousand six, almost five whole months after she went missing.
6: So one of the things that I did uh, when I was there is I I talked to um, some of the local. A lot of people clammed up and wouldn't talk.
2: Seems like most people clam up and don't talk in this case.
6: Oh yeah. And still today, it appeared that um, to to GBI and some others that were there didn't appear to be a struggle. So they said uh, there was no struggle. Well, GBI admitted that. What do you think? Well, this is what I found. See, she had the old timey wooden floors with the, the gaps in between them. So I got on my you know knees and stuff and crawled around. I found a clasp from a necklace.
2: A lesser known fact in this case that I actually learned through Maurice is a broken necklace that was found by police inside her home. The beads were scattered about on the floor, and they bagged it up as evidence. But it was still unclear to police if the necklace was broken on accident, or if it meant that there was a struggle inside the home. Almost five months later, when Maurice went to visit Tara's house, he found a clasp on the floor that looked like a match. And you can see on the clasp it had been pulled apart. So based on what you know about the necklace and that clasp, in your opinion, did that necklace come off in a struggle? That clasp... Was pulled apart by
6: force. You can take that for what it's worth. Uh, then I found some pieces of broken plastic of the headboard in the master bedroom. The bedpost was split in two and broken, and was found lying under the middle of the bed. You had to get up. You had to get under there and find it. Then I also found a box with dust on it underneath the bed. So that was never retrieved by the GBI. Then. One thing that I noticed is she had a, a rug beside the bed. I moved, I pulled that rug up, and the rubber came off on the back of it. So the rug had never been lifted.
2: So in your opinion, did the GBI do a good job
6: investigating? Uh, absolutely not.
2: On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate the GBI's performance? Probably 3.
6: 3 out of 10? 3 out
2: of 10. 5 months later, he finds a whole slew of evidence inside Tara's house that the GBI completely missed. You could sense his frustration still today. But what did any of it mean? I asked him to recap that Saturday terror went missing. I wanted to know his account.
6: So walk me through the day. My understanding is that uh, during the daytime, she had girls at her house and stuff, helping girls with the pageants and the makeup, the hair, preparing for the sweet potato pageant in Fitzgerald that afternoon. I think the pageant started about three o'clock is what I was told. So then she went to the pageant, uh, stayed at the pageant, and then she left the pageant around 7.25 to 7.30. One of her pageant girls, named Dana Wilder, walked with Tara to Tara's car, and she t- said that she had to go to her superintendent's barbecue. So she left the pageant in Fitzgerald and uh, drove back to Silla. I was told that her landlord, uh, the, the, the son of her landlord, Rhett Roberts. I was told that she talked to Rhett out at the curb of the road, about probably quarter to eight then.
2: Again, another lesser-known fact about this case, that you can't find anywhere in news articles. Between leaving the pageant and going to the barbecue that night, Tara made a brief stop at a friend's house. A man named Rhett Roberts, who was actually her landlord's son, and they talked briefly at the curb of the road.
6: And then she proceeded on to uh, barbecue and arrived about 8 o'clock. And then, at 11 o'clock, she she left the barbecue on the notion that she had to go back and watch a video.
2: What video is that?
6: That would be no video, because so far there's never been one that existed that we know of.
2: Remember Tara told her friends at the barbecue that night that she was going home to watch the tape from the pageant that day? The police could never find it, and as far as they knew... No video ever even existed.
6: There's two types of crime scenes. There's a primary crime scene. That's where the most actions occur between the victim and the attacker. And then there's a secondary crime scene, say, where a car was left. The problem with this case is you don't have any secondary crime scene. And you don't have any really primary crime scene.
2: You don't even know for sure if the house is a crime
6: that's scene. That's right. The answer lies in, in the GBI case files in Perry, Georgia. The answer to this case lies there. Why can't they solve it?
2: It was a bunch of information, but I felt a lot more in tune to this case. On my drive back to Atlanta, I played our interview on repeat, analyzing every detail. And when I got home, I caught my first lucky break. Someone was finally willing to talk to me.
5: Hey, how are you?
2: I'm good, how you doing?
5: I'm doing well, I had a little problem with my back, but thank the Lord, it's getting better.
2: <laughs> awesome. Are you still walking every day? Yeah.
5: Uh,
2: I, wait a wait a I got to take something. Else. That's my grandma. But she's lived in Tifton, which is only a half hour from Osilla, for nearly half her life. Maybe she knew something.
5: So I'm looking forward to seeing y'all. We're going to bring pound cake and some cowboy cookies.
2: Yes. I need some more cowboy cookies ASAP.
5: Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm baking right now. but you heard the
2: bell go off. Oh, That's perfect. I,
5: first batch. Fresh, ones. So fresh ones. Fresh ones, fresh. Okie dokie, down. All
2: right. Well, um, I wanted to ask you something. Um. Okay. So I'm working on this new documentary, and okay. um, it's actually about this girl who went missing about 10 years ago in the town of Osilla. Her name was Tara yeah. Grinstead. Do you ever remember hearing about that?
5: I do. I certainly do. And, it's you know, Ocella is only about uh, 25 to 30 minutes from here. Yeah. Um,
2: what do you remember about that as far as, like, what were people saying when that happened?
5: I'll ask around a few, uh, a few people that might remember. In fact, I'll call my friend who lives in Ocella. Okay. And I'll ask her. She'll know. I'll call her right now. Awesome. And I'll call you back, okay? Okay, that sounds great. Okay. All right, bye-bye.
2: And sure enough, 10 minutes later.
5: All right. My friend's name, her first name is Melba, M-E-L-B-A. That is her first name. Okay. Let me tell you what she did tell me. I'll tell you right quick. Uh, She was a school teacher. And on the the Saturday that this happened, uh, there was a beauty pageant in Fitzgerald, Georgia. Now, Fitzgerald is like 15 minutes away and there there was a beauty pageant on that saturday at you might know this at like three o'clock she went to help the girls put their makeup on and that sort of thing right when the pageant was over my friend that i just talked to melby she talked to her at 6 p.m at the theater really melba said when she left the theater Tara was still at the back of the theater with a friend. Tara did leave and went to visit a friend in Fitzgerald. In fact, it was a student that she had taught for just a short time. And then from there, she went back to Osella to her principal's house, because he had a cookout that night.
2: Did I hear her right? According to her friend, Tara stopped by a former student's house in Fitzgerald before going to the barbecue that night. Who is she talking about? If this is true, it's bombshell information. It completely contradicts the known timeline of Tara's last moves. I had to talk to Melba immediately. So I did. Next time on Up and Vanished.
6: Do, dun, dun, dun.
2: This season on Up and Vanished.
6: Reports of screams and gunshots and fire squealing off of five bridges road that late Saturday night.
5: And he was to the left of us, up against the wall, with a video camera. He acted really weird.
2: He was acting like he didn't know who
5: I was. I want this thing solved before I die. I want to know. I want
3: to know.
2: Thank you guys for listening to the first episode of Up and Vanished. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so I'm kind of learning as I go. If you like it, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. I'm going to hold a little contest, too. If you rate and write a review on iTunes, I will pick one lucky winner in the next two weeks to get a fresh batch of my grandma's cowboy cookies. I plan on releasing a new episode every two weeks on Mondays. I'm in the process of creating a documentary video series on this case as well. To stay up to date on everything, you can visit the website at upandvanished.com. I also would like to encourage anyone who knows anything at all about Tara's disappearance to come forward and share what you know. I want this podcast to be an outlet for people surrounding this case. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.